0: Welcome to the SpeechLink. I'm your host Sharp Beauchart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. Along with 42,000 other attendees, I am still reeling from seven hours of expert information and advice on speechtherapypd.com's teletherapy bootcamp. Amazing! Now, just in case if you missed an important point or you want to hear it again, or maybe you totally missed out on the big event, here's the final two-hour interview session moderated by Michelle Dawson, SLP, an absolute character, and five guest SLPs experienced in teletherapy. They share their valuable practical knowledge with us. Take it away, ladies. I'm Michelle Inwood with Dawson, um, MSCCC SLP
1: CLC. And I am the host of today's session, Teletherapy from EI to High School, Practical Applications and Resources with a rock star lineup that includes Marisha Metz of SLP Now, Jesse Andrix of SLP Stress Management Podcast, Laura Tandy of Tandy Therapy Early Intervention Telepractice, Carrie Clark of SLP Solutions and Speech and Language Kids, as well as Andy M. Sapowski of Whimsical Word. And I am humbled and excited to be part of this crew. And I'm going to admit it, I kind of sort of really feel like a fish out of water. And here's why. Many of you know me from First Bite, Fed, Functional, and Fun, a weekly speech therapy podcast pod course sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com, eligible for 0.1 Ashes CEU per episode. And it's also available for free on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Erin Forward. uh, She's my amazing regular co-host. Her and I have over 92 episodes out covering all aspects of early intervention speech therapy, with special emphasis on interprofessional practice for pediatric feeding and swallowing disorders, evidence-based practice guidelines for utilization of AAC, and in general, treating the medically complex infant, toddler, and child in their natural environment. But, and this is a big but, <laughs> I have hardly covered teletherapy on my podcast pod course because y'all, we don't do it in South Carolina. Um, let my little twang roll right out. Um, I own my own practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, right here in Colatown, South Carolina. And I am an EI SLP in the trenches. I'm driving to and from patients' homes every single day. I'm spread out over three counties. And again, teletherapy wasn't even on my radar as a business owner or honestly as a podcaster because it's not allowed in South Carolina. But y'all, all all of this changed a few weeks ago with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I am right there with each one of you. I can't treat my medically fragile patients in their homes right now. I'm social distancing with my pack Dawson and our lovely Miss Erin, and now homeschooling our two boys, Goose and Bear, for most likely the remainder of the 2019-2020 school year. Um, On a side note, they're kind of in a Mandarin immersion program and I speak English and bad English, so this is going great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I'm laughing because if I don't laugh right now, I would start crying, but that's just it. I am in the same boat as countless folks listening right now. And I am patiently waiting and hoping for that green light from our state officials to start teletherapy for the ones that I treat. And y'all, I ain't got a clue what to do because this is not my thing. (laughs) So I have to share that. I'm a novice who's going to ask all the experts the questions that we all desperately want to know. And the beautiful thing, Is that I'm a student just like all of y'all and honestly that may be my favorite part of today watching our community of SLPs share their knowledge their passion and build each other up so that we can better serve our patients because that's what it's about so before we begin my financial disclosures I'm presenter for speechtherapypd.com and host of first by Uh, FED, FUN, FUNCTIONAL, a speech therapy podcast that uh, Speech Therapy PD sponsors, and I'm also author of a book that's getting published next month called Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders, member manager of Heartwood Speech Therapy, LLC. My non-financial disclosures, I'm past president of the South Carolina Speech-Language Hearing Association, past treasurer for the Council of State Association Presidents, graduate of the ASHA Leadership Development Program, and a volunteer with Feeding Matters LLC, an international nonprofit for the education and advancement of pediatric feeding disorders. So I have ADD and ADHD, and y'all, I basically haven't slept since this whole thing started. So we have that awkward turtle going for us. So we're going to roll right on in. Our first guest is Marisha Metz, MS, CCC, SLP, the guru behind the SLP Now, a pod course podcast, as well as an amazing online resource for school-based clinicians. Um, full disclosure, I met her and she is as beautiful inside as she is outside. And so like a fangirl her. Okay, so Marisha, before we get started, um do you have any financial or non-financial disclosures?
2: First of all, you're going to make me cry with all of this intro stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you covered it. Um, I am a presenter with Speech Therapy PD. Um, and then I also am the founder of the SLP Now membership, um, and I do receive compensation for its say.
1: Yay. Okay. So because everybody that's listening is kind of across the nation, um, can you kind of orient us to the lay of the land? Where are you based out of in the US?
2: So I am currently in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Nice. Is it hot or cold there? Because it's been a raining
2: hot mess here today. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really nice weather this week. So I cannot complain. It helps to have nice weather in all of the chaos. (laughs) Yes.
1: Okay. So you have a lot of newbies out there that are just getting started in teletherapy and I am absolutely in that group. So what advice do you have for those of us that are one, totally overwhelmed by technology?
2: that is a really great question and one that i've been talking to a lot of slps about this week and i think the first thing we can do is take a nice deep breath so we'll actually try it now (laughs) like that just helps a lot already um but we've totally got this like and you mentioned this already michelle the slp community is absolutely outstanding yes Um, and we just like we it's not like we're isolated. Well, we might be physically isolated, but we have these amazing SLPs that we can reach out to um, to help us figure this out. Um, like this online conference, you guys are all here doing that. Um, and then um, reaching out to colleagues. So I know now like just from like talking to SLPs, it sounds like a lot of districts are figuring out if they're doing teletherapy or not. So. now we can just if that's where we're at we can just stay calm and just wait until we figure that out um but then if we are um actually going to be diving into that um the we can kind of figure out which platform we're using and reach out to slp colleagues because other people are going to be using that same platform and um just ask for their ask for their help. Um, One thing that I really love to use, like I use this with um, just within my business and teaching my teammates, um, but useloom.com. So U-S-E-L-O-O-M.com. It's just a quick thing that you can download. It's totally free. And um, if for those of you who are tech savvy and who are going to figure out these platforms, if you can just record yourself doing that Um, and you can share the link with the other speech therapists in your district or anyone else who happens to be using that tool. Um, And it's really amazing because you can, if you do need a little bit more time, like if they're presenting it on a webinar and you need a little more time, um, you can go back to it. You can add timestamps so you can easily jump back to um, like, this is how you like do this thing, and then you can just click that and it'll automatically show you that section in the video. So that's an amazing tool when it comes to figuring out any of the tech stuff. And I think everyone is being so incredibly generous. I don't think we'll have a hard time finding people to help us with that, if that's where we're at. Um, And one other thing, um, if the tech is really overwhelming, um, just making a cheat sheet of, okay, first I do this, then I do this, um, and like pairing that with the video can be incredibly helpful. Um, so we're all going to be coming together as we start setting this up um, and making that happen. And just know that you've got this, the therapy is still the same. We're just adding some digital elements to it. Um, and it's going like, I remember when I was first learning to drive a car, I, cause I drive manual. Um, so I was like, I am never, ever, ever going to be turn able to turn while I shift. Like I thought it was just not possible, but now I do it without thinking and that's how it'll become with that, be with us,
1: um, for teletherapy too. So you've got this. Okay. Well, I mean, the little country girl that I am, I definitely learned how to drive a tractor before a car. So if I can handle a tractor once upon a time, I could probably figure this out. There you are. All of this, all of this country people, we got this. Okay. So... We're going to figure out the platform. We're going to handle the technology now. Um, I work with little ones and I'm used to crawling on the floor a lot and honestly getting vomited on because there this happens as well. But how can I easily plan my digital sessions? Like what resources are there available that will help me with this?
2: Yeah, and I, I know we have an EISLP, so she'll definitely be able to help tackle. More of that with the littles. Um, I've only had, like, I'll leave that to her. That's her domain. I could share some suggestions, but she'll do a better job. Um, but just some general um, strategies for planning. Um, there are so many options out there. Um, and since we are planning digitally, um, I, or since we're providing therapy digitally, I think it's really helpful to plan digitally as well. Um, because then we can have access to all of the materials. Um, Because if we're writing everything out, then we have to like write out all of the URLs or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just easier if you could just click and it opens and that just streamlines the whole process. Um, And I made a video that breaks down like my entire planning process and also gives, it also includes some demos of like actual therapy activities that we can use. Um, So I I knew that we wouldn't be able to show that here today um, since it's the panel discussion, but if you want to go to aswillpnow.com slash T-E-L-E, you can access that. Um, And it also includes some different therapy materials and things. Um, So that I think is really helpful, just being able to see it in action. Um, But in a nutshell, if you guys are totally just bombarded with too much information. Um, I do use my um, my app, SLP Now, to schedule out my students, so I can see my whole schedule. Um, I attach my materials to those sessions so that I can easily, like when I'm going into the session, I just open that up,
1: click the materials, and I'm ready to roll,
2: because
1: um, I've okay. got my note on what I'm working at. Yes. This is, this is a novice question, I'm sure, yeah, awesome. but when you are accessing it, Like, folks, I wish I could take a picture and you could see what I'm looking at. But I have your lovely faces right here on the left side and then my working document on the right side. So when you're doing the actual therapy with the child and their family on the other side, can they see your screen? Do they have access to that so that they can see the resources that you need? I'm just thinking, Bears should be starting our therapy here shortly. And this is not my cup of tea. So how will he know how to work on an art? I see other people laughing like, yeah, I got you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it, I think hopefully any platform that you'd be using has the ability to share your screen. Um, I think that's a very important component in teletherapy. Um, So there, um, and you can share, like you have the option to share a specific window or your whole computer screen. So there's lots of different options there. Um, but okay. you should have the ability to share that with the parents so they can see it. Perfect.
1: Okay. Okay. Now this is this is all you mm-hmm. literacy-based therapy. I have nothing to do with literacy-based therapy. I work on getting the tiny humans to eat, drink, and this is my life. So, in the event that someone needs to implement literacy-based therapy. Um, such so as like reading a book and creating parallel stories. And I'm just thinking the countless SLPs across the nation that work in the schools that they are not working, how do we do that? That's a question that I've been getting asked a lot this week. Um, <laughs> that looks and, like an understatement of a lot. <laughs> um,
2: and just like backing up a second, if you're not totally sold on literacy-based therapy for your school-age students, I just want to do a quick plug because I'm obviously really um, fascinated by it. Um, But it we are so incredibly overwhelmed right now just with life in general, figuring out teletherapy, like all of these things. Um, But literacy based therapy can really cut down on your therapy planning time. Um, And it also benefits our students. So it provides a really meaningful context for therapy and it facilitates generalization. Um, And I won't go into all of the research now. But if that's something that if you're like, okay, I'm just going for a 10 hour day of PD, um, you could check out my blog or my podcast for more information on like the details of literacy-based therapy. Um, and But I'll give you like a super quick rundown on some things that we can do. Um, and like I said, um, I have that 42 minute video that includes like super, like I go through a book unit Um, That's something that I would implement over several weeks with my session, with a group, like with one of my students. And then um, I share all of the materials that go with that too. So that's an option if you want to go to slpnow.com slash T-E-L-E. But it's essentially a month of therapy. Um, But in terms of what I actually do, I read when we're, because we need a way to read the book. Um, it's a little awkward if you're like trying to hold the book so the student can see it and you're like trying to read it that's maybe not the best option it's something we can do it can work Um, but some other options are if you have a document camera you can show the book on the document camera Mm -hmm. Um, you can take pictures of the book and just upload them to your computer and show them that way Um, another easier option, a cheaper option is to use um, like YouTube videos. There's actually tons and tons of videos of people reading books to children. Um, and just like Anna said in her presentation, definitely preview the video first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and another on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> yes, be careful. Um, and if you are actually pulling up the video on YouTube, you want to preload it so that there's not awkward ads that come up. Um, But I also really like using a site called Edpuzzle. So E-D-P-U-Z-Z-L-E. And that helps streamline some of the logistics. You can search on there. You can pre-add videos to your accounts. Like you can put them into folders and you can trim the videos. So if you're like, oh, I only want to do this part of it, that's super helpful. Or if they like talk too much, you're like, nope, don't need to hear that. Um, and then you can also organize the different videos into folders and add in questions. So um, and if you add in a question or a stopping point, it'll like stop the video for you. And that'll kind of help prompt you to like ask the questions or whatever is relevant for that goal. Um, another really um, helpful tool that I like to use is Google Slides. Um, I um, So it's just like powerpoint except it's on google and i created some different interactive activities so there's i love doing story grammar um and i always had oh i wish i had had an example here um but i have i always like print and laminate them to use with my students in real life but that's not happening anymore um so i made a digital version so you can like drag the icons around um and then i like i add all of the things to Google Slides, like all of the different activities that we might do, we create parallel stories in there, um, and so it's been a really amazing tool. So, if you want to see that all in action, I do have that video available. But okay, so hopefully that does the trick
1: of like super quick. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I just I have two more questions, and I know we have like a bunch of folks to get to, but. One, how do you keep everything organized? And two, how do you do the data collection? Okay, cool. Um,
2: so if you have the luxury of having multiple monitors, that makes a big difference, but I know that might not be the case for a lot of us, but we are problem solvers, so we'll figure it out. Um, I, I think having, um, I'll talk about this a little bit more in data collection, but I, you don't wanna show your student the data collection like it's easier to keep that separate. So if you don't have another monitor, if you can use like your phone or your tablet, that's a really nice option to like keep those things separate. Um, and then I already mentioned Google Slides, but that really helps with organization. Um, and then just a note, if your school district doesn't have a business associate agreement with Google, you'll hear that being turned thrown out a lot. Um, it has to do with HIPAA and all of that. Um, If you don't have that, just use initials Like, don't you don't put any identifying information or whatnot in the Google, any of the Google documents that you might be using. Um, But I either way, whether you use initials or a name, um, just i like to create a set of slides for each student and I use that to I put in their goal cards there so we can check in on their goals, I can add their um, probes in there if I want to. I usually keep that within my data collection system. Um, you can put in any visuals so you have easy access to those. And I I showed this in the video too, but I just take a screenshot of whatever visual I want to use and I drop it into the slides and then we can access that. Um, and then I also drop in any ongoing work that we're doing. So it's just like, it's like their folder It has all of the different activities I can prep it ahead of time if I want to, or I can just set it up as we're jumping into the session. But that is really helpful in terms of keeping all the different pieces organized. So you're not opening up as many w-
1: windows all the time. Perfect. Um, awesome. Okay, well, Marisha, thank you. I'm so grateful for your guidance, and I'm um, very appreciative about the advice for the tech side because I fall in the overwhelmed non-technical. Thank goodness my husband does um, IT work middle-aged self, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you. All right, y'all. Our second guest this evening is Jesse Andrix, MSCCC SLP, the author behind the books Detox 101 and The Smoothie Life. She also runs the website, JessieAndricks.com, where she has programs and resources to help SLPs reduce stress, burnout, and in general, the total feeling of being overwhelmed. Jesse, what you don't know is I'm about to be your new best friend, honey. <laughs> Uh, because homeschooling has completely overwhelmed me and my seven-year-old's on his way to be a lawyer. Um, And so that's fantastic for us. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all the SLPs that are in the same boat. All right. So uh, (laughs) before we get started, can you please share your financial and non-financial disclosures?
3: Yes. So I um, work in teletherapy with e-therapy. And then, as you mentioned, I have the website jessieendricks.com, where I provide stress management for SLPs with webinars and courses and continuing ed and coaching services. And then from time to time, I get to, or used to, be able to go to conferences and present there. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, we it? made it
3: work. <laughs> also, uh, don't you have a tiny human of your own? How little? I do. So I have two. One is um, little, but not as little. She's three and a half, almost mm-hmm. four. And then I have um, a four, almost five-month-old. He's actually in the room with me. So if you hear any weird noises, it's a baby. <laughs>
1: oh, honey, you you love that baby hard. I, I took Bear to a conference one time, strapped on when he was four months old. So, oh, awesome. um. Yes. Yes. All, all the working moms in the rooms are like, yes. <laughs> um, okay. And can you orient us to
3: where in the world are you? I'm actually not far from you. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, honey, you're just up the road. I, am, okay. I, actually, I used to live in Charleston for 12 years. So when I heard you say Columbia, I was like, oh, we were neighbors. Okay. But
4: you now You left
3: Charleston for <laughs> Raleigh though, but seriously. <laughs> I know it's a very different place, but it is, uh, it's like we traded beaches for trails, I feel like, which
1: I can support that. (laughs) Okay. Um, So can you give us some insight when you do your teletherapy to the ages of the patients that you work with?
3: Yeah. So I ended up, um, as you mentioned, I, you know, South Carolina didn't have a lot of teletherapy. Um, and the schools I ended up working with were um I ended up with middle school and high school students, and that's who I ended up working with in different states and with different mm-hmm. schools. And so I didn't plan on that being the population that I was you know sitting out to work with, but I'm so happy that that is who I ended up working with the most. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, kind of that later elementary through high school.
1: yes, wow,
3: that's. Everybody
1: has their calling and it's really cool when you find your calling that falls not in mine, but yeah, go team. Okay. So let's get rolling. All right. So what are some of the activities or sites that you use with your older, older humans?
3: Yeah. So I've found that with, with the older students, you know, there are a lot of sites that are for younger students. And if you were to take, you know, like PBS kids or something like that and try and use it with an older student they're not always going to want to use that because it's it's not really age appropriate anymore it's not anything they're interested in and um so it's harder to find those sites but there are some that are just purely fun but educational like um there's a site called Funbrain where you could go and have them play a game you know maybe work on following directions or um they have some stories on there you could read with them um, there's also another site i never know how to pronounce this but it's U U I A, and um, teachers create, yeah, it's like queer, Kia, but it's great. They have some activities that um, teachers or um, speech therapists have shared, and you can kind of go in and search, but they're more interactive, and they're articulation-based or language-based, or you could just find, like, nonfiction paragraphs to read or stories, and um, the games tend to be like quiz shows or Jeopardy and so students really tend to like those because they're interactive, they're fun, and they're a little bit more um, mature, you know, like mm-hmm. they're they're kind of, you know, something that, that they're going to have fun with or they might be like, oh, I've seen a show with this on there one time. Um, another thing is Asking them what kind of movies or TV shows or comic books or stories that they like and trying to figure out if there's something that you could go and find online that could relate to it. Like if they are really into superheroes and Marvel, it may not be appropriate to show like clips of Marvel <laughs> <laughs> as much as we would want to. But we may be able to find some sort of like superhero game to use or some kind of like Um, a comic to read and and work on through that and figure out ways to work on, you know, whether it's articulation or fluency or just the language skills or even, you know, um, looking at social aspects of like what's happening in the story. But those tend to really work with the older students, just seeing what they're interested in and then working that into your session
1: graphic novels my oldest is really into graphic novels and I was like oh that's fantastic and then I grabbed one off the shelf and was like this is not fantastic so like why don't I say you've got to kind of screen them a little bit yeah yeah that's that poor kid I think our firstborns are always our guinea pigs so yeah oh lord okay so how do you how do you so you keep them engaged by picking in researching their favorite resources, but do you have other tips for keeping older children engaged?
3: Yeah, so one thing that I really like to do with my students, and most of my students were one-on-one, they were in the virtual setting themselves, like the um, virtual online homeschools, so Mm -hmm. with them we could kind of talk a little bit more in depth, you know, they didn't have to worry about saying something in front of another student or being uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. we would talk about things that they actually liked. But then we would also talk about the goals that would be working on since they were older, they were more able to understand like why we were in speech. But then also what they wanted to get out of it. So not just here's your IEP goal, this is what we're doing. But what does this actually mean for you? What do you want to get out of this year working together and that really helped them stay engaged because if they were having a really bad day or they weren't really you know wanting to do the activity or just feeling like oh i don't want to be in school today we could get back to like all right i've been there some days you know we don't want to be at work we don't want to be at school but like let's get back to like what we want to get out of this and why we're here together and that really seemed to help and made them feel like they were part of it instead of just the adults telling them here's what we're going to do.
1: Okay, so this is a a squirrel, but it's near and dear to my heart. My um old my brother in law, my older brother in law, he's an adult with special needs. He has autism, microcephaly, CP. So he has is a lot going on. So w- when they were going through, and again, I'm in the IFSP world, but when they were going through the IEPs and doing that transition uh, into like focusing on ADLs, and when you graduate, this is what you're going to be working on. I feel like that I'm going to go out on a limb, but I feel like if you explain that to them, what would you like to transition? Do you get to focus on ADLs in that setting? Can you embed that here? Is that appropriate? I don't know.
3: I'm excited. Yeah, it's kind of that type of stuff, like looking at that. Like we had one student that I remember being in the IEP meeting and we were working on, um, like he he was probably going to be leaving speech soon. Like he was almost ready Mm -hmm. to meet his goals, but he was kind of like, why am I still here working on this? And just the the case manager reminded him that everything we're doing is to help you with your next step, which is you want to go to college. So yes. we're working on getting you ready to go to college so that you're prepared when you get there and have all the tools that you need to best support your learning there. So, yeah, it's it's really making it more real life because they are able to understand, like, we're in this and I want to know the purpose. Why? Why am I here? What are we doing with it?
1: Perfect. Yes. Okay. So what do you need to get started in teletherapy, lady? <laughs>
3: yeah. So the basics, you need a computer, right? We need a computer of some kind. Yes. <laughs> you need a microphone so you can be heard and speakers so you can hear. Um headsets are great, but you don't always need them. Like we don't have them on right now. We're we're great. And then um you know a platform to use um that like we talked about before where you can screen share and hipaa compliant um but the basics are you need that computer you need that mic you need those speakers and then you can get going from there you can get everything you need from there and i didn't come into teletherapy with like this huge you know like i had been working towards it for a while i had actually been out of the field for almost five years and then teletherapy was just what was available where I lived when I decided to come back so you can get started in it without a lot of materials or without a ton of you know tech knowledge just get in there and it's possible and it's not as scary as it seems
1: well my my nerves are going down I'll be honest I have I have public speaking anxiety I'm very honest about it so I keep my cup handy because being on camera I get the shakes and yes And so, but y'all are, y'all are putting this newbie at ease. So, okay. So how do you find resources and materials to use when you weren't previously here? How did you find the resources to get started?
3: Yeah. So I ended up asking other SLPs that were either if I was um, taking over their caseload when I first started um, or just going into like Facebook groups and forums and, asking, you know, hey, I'm new. I need some materials. What's a great thing to use? And the really good thing is like I had no materials of my own. My previous job had been in schools, but it had been through a contract company. So all of the materials I had that were hands-on belonged to the school. When I left, you know, I I didn't have any to take with me. So I had nothing. No materials at all to start with, and I I was really panicked at first and Um, I had a therapist that I, you know, was taking over her caseload and she said, go online and find some stories, you know, find some books that you download or that you can find a PDF of them for free. And, you know, if you know you're working with middle schoolers, get some, you know, middle school age appropriate stories go and find a few sites with some fun games that you can use, or, you know, if you're going to be doing, um, our tick and you need a flashcard of some kind, find some pictures or find an interesting story, but get a little creative, but also know that there are so many things. And then of course we have like the teachers pay teacher, the TPT stores where you can go in and, and download some really great resources, um, or like find some digital books on Amazon that you could download and read to students. But there are, are a lot of ways and just reaching out to other SLPs and saying, hey, what's your favorite site to use? Or do you have any sites? And people are gonna share so much and it's, it's just a really great community.
1: Yeah. And I know, um, for those that are listening, check your, uh, local library, our local library opened up access. It was like this, it felt like Disney's vault opening, but they <laughs> opened up their like virtual library and that's oh my amazing, gosh. amazing. Right. So, um, there's, but that's happening across the country. So check your local branch to see if they've opened their virtual <laughs> library.
3: Amazing.
1: Yeah, that was, I thought that's, that was grace right there. Okay. So how do you connect with students? How do you connect with students and families
3: through a screen? Yeah. So that was kind of, I feel like the most intimidating thing besides like the actual tech side of things and and making sure everything was ready, but was being one-on-one or having the families there. It's just sometimes so different than when you're seeing them in a school setting, even though you are still in a school setting a lot of times, or you're you know, not in your clinic anymore. And, and you're in your house, they're in their house, but it almost, instead of creating a barrier, it's like, it takes the barrier away because you're comfortable. You're at your home, you're in your office chair. Like you could have no shoes on, no socks on, no one's going to know. Um, you, know you, have a, you know, usually you don't have a baby in the room, but if there's an emergency, you, you know, you have your dog in the room or something, but the students are also a little bit more comfortable. Like they're in their own space, it's their own territory, and it it kind of helps. Like they can have some of their own things around that they wouldn't be able to have. Um, and then you actually get to meet the families, which sometimes you don't get to do if you work in a school. You know, you get to do that like once a year maybe at the IEP meeting, or if you're in a clinic, it's you know you're not getting to really see the parents as much at times. Um, But with this, I found that I was able to just have that little bit of comfort with the students and then their families would help them sign on. So they would get to wave to mom or wave to, you know, their grandma or whoever was there helping them and, you know, actually get to know them and build relationships with everyone. So I felt more connected and more um, like involved with, with the students and what we were doing than I had ever felt in any other setting.
1: Perfect. All right. That gives me hope. That gives everybody hope. Yeah. Okay. So Jess, thank you so much. I am looking forward to um, taking your tips, uh, reducing my stress. Um, and um, I'm I'm grateful. And I kind of like the idea of not having to wear scrubs. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Gretchen yoga pants under the uh, countertop is okay. <laughs> All right, so our third guest today is Lauren Tandy, CCC SLP, the founder of Tandy Therapy Early Intervention Telepractice. She has a plethora of resources available on her website for all of us home health SLPs that can't go out anymore. Y'all, they are amazing. I'm gonna miss my car rides with the windows down on the back roads, um, which can be quite an adventure, but she makes this new adventure of telepractice feel less risky than my regular Thursday afternoon hitting a pothole drive. Uh, Lauren, thank you for coming on. Uh, can you please start us off with any financial and non-financial disclosures that you may have?
5: Yes, thank you. Um, so I'm the owner of Tandy Therapy LLC, Tandy Therapy Box LLC, and administrator for the Facebook group Early Intervention Telepractice which I just started last week. um, Yes, thank you. (laughs) And there's already over 6,400 members on there. So
1: say hi. Say it one more time. What's the Facebook group?
5: It is uh, Early Intervention Telepractice. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. Okay, all right. So I do have some more financial disclosures. Um, I just put some classes online on the shop live today as well as some Mm -hmm. private practice forms. So I do receive proceeds from those materials and the classes that are offered on my website.
1: Okay. All right. And then um,
5: where in the world are you for? I am actually located right now physically at my home office in Post Falls, Idaho. I am licensed in both Idaho and Washington. So I travel early intervention in North Idaho and then also in central Washington. um, I'm right on the border.
1: Perfect. Okay. Thank you. So I'm trying to piece it together for all of us out there. Okay. And this one, this one keeps popping up because of the push towards um, coaching instead of one-on-one and the evidence behind it. But how do you provide early intervention coaching that is complementary to telepractice?
5: So, this came out of a necessity because I provide early intervention services to rural areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, started in Central Washington, and it I just couldn't give them what I wanted to give them and uh, what my patients needed in person by traveling, and they don't have the resources that um, other higher density locations have, and so. Um, I started there offering more consistency and frequency to clients. And I personally think that providing early intervention via telepractice is a lot of times more beneficial than being there in person, and that's because of the coaching model. So it creates a more natural environment for the child without someone new in the living room or mm-hmm. wherever. And I actually heard this from a clinician during training this week that she thought it went better than sessions that were in person. So that says something.
1: Yes, I, I can see that. Cause sometimes we go in a home and when we try to get them into the coaching model they want to go do laundry or dishes or so I, yes, I can All see right. that.
5: Hey, okay, you have my kid, I'll come <laughs> back
1: later. Yes, not the babysitter baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so do you have tips for successful early intervention sessions like technology requirements for a client and clinician?
5: So there's a lot of information out there on this, but I just wanted to point out two big things that I've noticed and questions that come up a lot, which is first of all, um, my early intervention team has found and reported back that sometimes, and I've seen it too, sometimes our smartphones or our iPads work better than the computers that are in the home because they might be 10 years old. They don't have the yeah. best technologies, they can't uh, run as fast, they can't connect to the internet as easily. And so I have found a lot of times for the iPhone or a smartphone that has video capabilities to be uh, a better option than a computer, even if it's available. And then on the clinician's end, we have worked on troubleshooting a lot of different things that come up. And the biggest thing is make sure if you can, to plug your computer directly into the Ethernet cable or directly into your modem for internet access to be hardwired.
1: Yes, I don't know if I don't know if you get thunderstorms like we do down here, but I mean, I've lost it trying to record lectures and do stuff like that. So yeah, that would that's a great tip. And it okay,
5: cuts out on a lot of interference and cutting out of audio or visual or things like that.
1: Nice. Okay, so how do you address parent concerns regarding resistance to telepractice due to screen time? Um, Because we've, uh, I've heard from some folks today that they don't want to participate, the parents don't want to participate because they don't want that extra time playing on a laptop.
5: (laughs) Right, so lighting up your kid's brain. but. (laughs) So I actually have a class on this that I offer on my website tandytherapy.com that was just released today. I also have a free resource on this of an article that you can provide to parents um, that's on the free resource page. It's called Less Screen Time, More Face Time. And uh, it talks all about this and gives you an example of how to address a parent's concern in that area because I'm concerned about that. Um, I try to limit my kids' screen time. However, that's one of the biggest reasons that for early intervention, anyway, where you know the AAP recommendations may be zero screen time for the day for early childhood kids. And so, coaching model lends us to not having any screen time for the kids. The kids do not need to look at the screen to be coaching the parents uh, through the session. So you're going to be interacting with the parent and coaching them, observing what they do in their natural environment, maybe demonstrating something on your side, but the child does not even need to look at the screen. So. I,
1: thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, I've, I've heard uh, Carrie Ebert with Carrie Ebert seminars. She was talking about like the data collection and she was like, when you're using the coaching model right, you don't need to worry about data collection with the child because you're working with the parent right. and I thought that was profound when she said that it sunk into my soul but what you just said is accurate the kid does not
5: have to look at the screen you're working with the parent yeah there's other ways to limit the articles and the the class goes through ways you can limit screen time and prioritize screen time when they're home and having to do schoolwork online And Mm -hmm. having to do therapy online, if your school district chooses to do that, you can talk with a parent about, okay, what's static screen time where you sit them down and they watch something, what's Mm -hmm. interactive, and what's socially rewarding screen time where you have that interaction as well as feedback on their behaviors or goals. Yes.
1: Okay. So if you're having the interactive screen time,
5: how do you gather a language sample using telepractice? So I like to have the parent, initially when I'm working with parent, um, maybe this will be part of your evaluation, have them set the phone up. This is something I forget to do myself sometimes, or have them set the computer up where it's positioned in a good area to view the living room or wherever it is they're going to play or participate maybe over mealtime or cooking. And so have them position it um, and then kind of set up the task. Okay, I'm just gonna observe you guys interacting. Um, and then the parent will help you gather that language sample through a natural learning interaction. Um, for o- older kids, I use my tele-practice uh, therapy platform. And I put up a, back- a backdrop for the kiddos. And then we put stickers on and talk about it or make up a story and it's really fun.
1: Nice. Yeah. Okay, so what um what resources do I need to have in order to utilize teletherapy? I mean, we're kind of thinking for my youngest ones probably not much, but for my two to four year olds probably more. So yeah.
5: Yeah, so I just put um, two videos up on my site. One is how to keep kids engaged, and it's targeted at all ages. Using my platform for teleservices, and but it's general, and I'm encouraging everyone to use their creativity because you're all we're all going to have different goals. Um, We all practice in a different way or have different preferences of what we use. Uh, I personally like to use literacy-based intervention, and it does make it really easy to pull out a book or uh, getepic.com book and go through that to target several goals. What website? What
1: website did you say?
5: getepic.com okay so it has several um books divided by age and it can read to you or you can read it nice okay so um so for the little kids the beauty is you don't need a lot in the house you want to in the coaching model use things that are already in the home anyway right Backless therapy. Yeah. So we're all guilty of bringing stuff sometimes, (laughs) but if we're really getting down to true coaching model and going into the home, and using what they have there in early intervention, we should not have one thing with us. And that goes up to three years old, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can ask the parent to gather things around the house that they think might be helpful for this task and that gets them involved it gets them thinking about even when you're not there what can i what can i use for this goal so.
1: Okay. okay so just for everybody out there um, uh, i wanted to provide some supporting documents for eis slps that ash has created to start with please check out the Asha practice portal on ash's website and go to the professional issues and look up early intervention SLP because y'all, the roles and responsibilities of the EISLPs are right there. Everything the amazing Miss Lauren Tandy just said, where they talk about going bagless and working in the natural environment, um, including coaching and supporting the teletherapy, it's right there. So please check out uh, asha.org backslash practice hyphen portal backslash professional hyphen issues backslash early hyphen intervention or just type in early intervention on ash's website and it pops up
5: (laughs) michelle i have pulled some of the research articles from that website um, in the practice portal that are having to do with family coaching early intervention i've curated what has to do with um, family coaching and early intervention in a list that i'll be uploading on my Uh, Facebook group and free resources on my website
1: beautiful and can you hit us up one more time with your Facebook group because that's
5: just awesome early intervention telepractice yes oh lord almighty thank you you. (laughs) Uh, I'm humbled
1: that you've given so much of yourself and your time because this is this is extra And we are appreciative from all of us in the EI trenches. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. So let me put my readers on because I'm pretending that I can read fine print and I can't. Okay. So our fourth guest is none other than the Carrie Clark CCC SLP of SLP Solutions and Speech and Language Kids. Yay. Y'all, she is a pediatric SLP firecracker. And I appreciate that. And uh, while, uh, and I may be downloading some of her freebies off her website over the next few weeks while I attempt to remember how to do our tick therapy with our sweet little bear, because y'all, his r is just, that's a hot mess. So uh, Carrie, I'm a huge fan. Thank you for coming on board today. Um, and before we get begin, do you have any financial and non-financial disclosures?
6: Yes, so my financial disclosure is that I am the founder and sole owner of SLP Solution and Speech and Language Kids. It's all one company. We just have the two different brand names on the websites. Um, so I do earn my, uh, my salary and, and the earnings from that, and that includes our membership program over at the SLP Solution, which is a, membership, a paid membership program for speech language pathologists where we have our community and our resources.
1: Beautiful. Okay. And then to piggyback on our like Carmen San Diego game that we've been playing this entire time, uh, where in the world are you, darling? So I'm in Columbia, Missouri. Different <laughs> Columbia. And so I'm like right in the middle of the United States. Yeah, we're, we're kind of we're making our way around. So yes. And you have a mat back there. I appreciate that. I yeah.
6: speaking find- of homeschooling, this is where my boys are being homeschooled currently. It's going
1: really well that's yeah I didn't know 100 centimeters did not equal an inch um I found that out this week so like yeah I really appreciate it teachers there's a reason yeah. teach people to swallow in that math go team okay yeah. so um what what therapy materials can you use during your sessions okay so I was actually gonna see if I can share my screen can I try you good with that? hey I'm not driving this so I'm gonna <laughs>
6: Okay, because I was thinking it would be helpful if you could see what kind of what a teletherapy session might look like. So can you see my screen now? Can you see my little M spider? Yes. Okay. So basically what I've done here is I've pretended that I'm prepping for a session. So I don't know if you can see, but I have like 10 different tabs open here. And these are mm-hmm. just all the different materials and ideas that I pulled up that I thought, okay, these are things that might work for this potential client. It yes, just a couple minutes to pull this up, but now I have all the things that I might need ready. Okay. So screen share is your friend <laughs> when you're doing your teletherapy sessions. you share your screen and then they see what you see. But the cool part I like about this is that they can't control anything on the screen. So when I pop over to my reinforcer activity, which is this highlights for kids game where it's a hidden objects thing, they yeah. can't just click on it and find all the hidden stuff. They have to tell me with their words or their speech sounds or whatever it is we're working on. So they'll say, oh, I see the hidden, whatever. I don't even know where anything is. Is there stuff on here? <laughs> I know where something is. I didn't look at it ahead of time. Here, here's a little shovel. No, I don't know. If you click on the right things, it'll it'll pop it up and tell you that you did it. Um. So yeah, the, so that's what I love is you can kind of pop back and forth between your materials and the games or the reinforcers that you're working on.
4: Well, that's, that's so,
6: you know, I have, these are, yeah, right. This is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, for example, this is all, if you are one of the members of our membership site, these will look very familiar. These are our no prep kits, um, but there's also, if you're not one of our members, there's no prep <laughs> materials on teachers pay teachers. I know Marisha has a bunch of stuff over at SLP now. So basically you're just gonna pull up whatever resource you have saved on your computer, or for example, on our website, and you're going to pull up your resource and you're going to say, hey, we're doing our thing. Here we go. Here, let's do some M's. Ma, mo. Or, you know, maybe we're ready to work on our words. So we pop down to the words one and we practice some words and then we pop over to our game. Or if you've got one that's a little a little younger, maybe you can pull up a video, something like this, this baby Einstein. I love these. Um, so we could play a little bit of baby Einstein as a reinforcer to keep them engaged. Yes. And then we can pop back over to our activity. Or maybe we can pull up and go, ooh, and do our ooh sounds because we're talking about Baby Einstein and what we saw. So you kind of just use this as your tabletop where you would normally have your activities and your games that you're using to keep them engaged. You're just popping back and forth between the different activities. Um, and then I've got, I started a, a Pinterest board this week where we... Um, put together a lot of the different games that I like and I specifically chose games that don't make a lot of noise unless you ask them to. <laughs> so they're not distracting um, but then you can come in and actually you know do an activity and then pop back over to whatever stimulus that you're working on so there's that and then there's also on this pinterest board there's also. Uh, YouTube videos so again if you need something either to just reinforce in between your activity or, if you need a conversation starter. So like you can see, I have a Minecraft video here. If you have a kid who's really into Minecraft, watch someone else play Minecraft and then talk about it using whatever skill it is you're working
1: on. So okay. What's, that what's the name of, I'm sorry, what's the name of your Pinterest board?
6: Okay. So I actually, I gave the link to Darla. So I think it's in the resources if there's like a handout. Um, okay. But if you find SLP solution on Pinterest, it's my board is called teletherapy resources for speech language therapy. So Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, there's some platforms and some other uh, resources on
1: there as well. Okay, you were just talking about videos. um, But how do you use your videos in your therapy sessions?
6: So I kind of have two different ways. So there's the just the reinforcer where we're just trying to get them engaged and, you know, get them to pay attention and be able to sit through the session Uh, so you can have that where it's just we're going to play a clip and then we're going to go back and we're going to work on our following directions and then we're going to come back and we're going to play a couple more seconds and then you follow another direction oops where we go follow another direction Um, so that's one way another way like I said if you have um, an older kid who's working on their skill in conversation then you can play a video and talk about it so like this one here is science tricks and they do different science experiments and you just watch it. So then you could talk about what happened or you you could stop it and you could have them make a hypothesis of what's gonna occur when they do this, that or the other. Um, so yeah, so you can kind of use it either way. You can use it as just a straight up reinforcer or as a way to um, give them something to talk about. Perfect,
1: okay, okay. So yeah, I feel like this is the hot button one. I love getting everybody's input on it. How do you use parent training for clients who are struggling with online sessions? Yeah, Especially so with it is, older kids. Yeah, well, so I
6: I generally have worked more with the younger kids. Um, I've worked with older kids, too. But, you know, when I think of teletherapy sessions, I think, OK, this might work for a little bit that we can pull up our baby Einstein and we can get them engaged but then you're going to get to the point where that child's done and they're popping off mom's lap and, and, you know, that's all you got. So at that point, it really does. You can switch it over to more of a parent training kind of model. And what I was thinking of when I was kind of prepping for this. Um, so this is a, uh, one of the kids that we have for working on the first 50 words. And so we have it broken out by types of words. So you could share something like this with the parents where you say, Hey, here's some activity ideas for working on these words you know we've got the sign language there and so you could be explaining these activities to the parents and then you can have them sit down on the floor and actually play and do one of these activities and then you can provide that feedback so you can say oh that would have been a great opportunity to sign the word no when you said no there like let's you know try that this time or you know oh i can see that your child's not really interested in this how about try this way or or switch it and do this instead so that you can kind of give them some feedback on it while they're doing the actual activity. And then you can send something like this home and say, okay, I'm gonna email you a copy of this that we did today, so you have this. And then that way you can practice it at home and then let me know how it goes when they come back. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, okay, so how long are your sessions normally?
6: Well, it, it depends. I mean, when I was working in the schools, I was a big fan of really short sessions and kind of scattering them throughout the day. So I would do, you know, I'd pop in for five minutes for this kid to run through his list of words. And then we'd, you know, come back later and do a longer session. When you're doing teletherapy though, you really are gonna have to schedule it out. So, you know, you wanna get enough time that you're gonna be able to actually talk with the parents, see how things are going, see what their concerns are, because in, you know, we're all in the middle of a crisis. Their top priority might not be their kids' L or R. <laughs> maybe they're trying to figure out how they're gonna get food today because the grocery store near them is out. So maybe at that point you just need to stop and be like, hey, let me share some resources with you and let's let's get you to a place where you're actually able to work on these things because we're not, you know, we're not all gonna be there every day. I'm not there every day right now either. Um, so I, you want to make it a long enough session that you have time to really connect with the parents and check in and make sure everyone's okay. Um, but then that you can actually have time to work on your stuff as well. I think 30 minutes probably seems like it would be pretty good, but you're going to want to judge that based on the children you're working with, the families that you're working with and, you know, kind of play it by ear. Cause we're all trying to figure this out as we go.
1: Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> Um, to be fair, not all of um, the nation has approved teletherapy and in South right. Carolina, we still haven't gotten it authorized, but we've been told stay in a group of three or less. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have one last question before we have to move on. Um, super the super wiggly. Super wiggle worms. What I know what I do. I normally match that level of energy and I'm jumping up and down and being silly with them. But what do you do during teletherapy? Because I feel like that would be blurry on camera. <laughs> yeah, oh, That would be
6: obnoxious, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So the, the videos are a great win for that because you can kind of pull them in and get them engaged. But you do, if you, especially if you've got a child with some sensory processing issues or, I mean, just, kids need to move and we're all cooped up in homes and it's driving everyone nuts. Um, It really does help to get them up and moving. So you can do some of those videos um, on YouTube where there are like action songs, there's like freeze dances. You can pull up a freeze dance and do some of that kind of stuff and then sit down after you do that activity and then try to get them to work through some of the words and things. Um, another, another thing to think about is the parents that you're working with are probably at their wits end with those really wiggly kids because i can say that from experience because i have two little boys home with me right now and we never stop moving yes they would love any strategies you can give them on uh heavy work uh, sensory activities fun little songs that'll get them up and get them moving so feel free (laughs) to provide that training inside your therapy session even if you're not really targeting sensory stuff. Just be like, Hey, I thought of this really fun idea uh, for my own kids this week. Or like, I heard another parent was doing this where you push a laundry basket full of this weighted something like books and push it back and forth and do races. Like that might help, you know? So give that, give that information to those parents, because if they're wiggly on your sessions, they're probably driving their parents (laughs) crazy also. Um, And then connect with your occupational therapist as well. If you've got one on staff, See if she could pop into your conference call, if it's one that you share um, and you guys can both get on, just like we're all on this call together. You know, you can, both therapists can get on and take turns providing ideas, or if you can't get on at the same time, even just reaching out to them on email and saying, Hey, this child is having these struggles. What can we do to keep them moving or, or to kind of bring that sensory, that sensory piece back?
0: Perfect.
1: All right, now I got to figure out how to unshare my...
0: That's, um, well. While you <laughs>
1: do that, I'm going to say um, thank you. My uh, my boy mom, my inner boy mom, totally appreciates your dips um, on the wiggling children part. And I foresee heavy weighted baskets and their futures tomorrow morning. <laughs>
4: yeah, lots of
1: weights.
6: They're just going to be buffed
1: by the end of this.
6: Yeah, they
1: lift kettlebells with daddy. It's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> Tiny baby <laughs> kettlebells.
4: Okay. I love
3: it.
1: Thank you, Carrie. So our fifth and final guest tonight, or I guess kind of maybe the afternoon, depending on where you are, is the beautiful Andrea Andy Sadowski. And honey, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, wow. yes, excellent. Thank you. Of the whimsical word an author, blogger and digital resource designer for the teletherapy SLP. Andy, um, uh, I normally, again, teach kids how to eat and drink and not our tick. And I am not the tech savvy SLP. So we need you right now, baby. Um, and I am excited to go into the nitty gritty details because that's the one that if, um, if we get this approved in South Carolina, that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. Like, how do I actually HIPAA, FERPA, all the fields? So before we get started, uh, can you please provide your financial and non-financial disclosures?
4: Sure. Um, I am the owner, author, blogger of The Whimsical Word. Um, It's where I create um, digital materials and materials for sale for teletherapists on Teachers Pay Teachers and Boom Learning. Um, I do receive financial compensation for the products demonstrated in this presentation, if we have time to demonstrate any. And then additionally, I am a clinical manager for dot-com therapy, and we provide teletherapy services um, to brick-and-mortar schools, uh, private patients, virtual schools. um, But I do not receive any additional financial compensation for presenting here today um, in that capacity.
1: Um, I I love your statement over your shoulders. She believes
4: she could. (laughs) so she did thank you for that that's a reminder to myself and all the other all the other she's out there um, that we can do this we've got this friends so
1: okay so now where are you in the world
4: So I am currently located in central Illinois, uh, Peoria to be exact. I've lived in Illinois my whole life, um, and I pretty much served as a brick-and-mortar speech therapist in public schools for close to 20 years uh, before I was relocated here um, from the Chicago suburbs in 2016, and I decided it was, for those of you who know me, it it was the best chance ever to just try teletherapy because I was kind of starting all over. So I just started all over all at once. That's amazing. Yes,
1: yes. Beautiful, bloom where you land, right? Bloom where
4: you land, that's
5: exactly what I did.
1: (laughs) Okay, so what kind of materials do we need to be looking for? What search terms work best? What What are we doing, help?
4: So you know what, I mean, the panelists so far have given some really great websites and they've given some really great ideas. And I love, I use all of these things. Our therapists use all of these things. Um, I find for me, I try to look for materials. When I started teletherapy, there really wasn't anything. Even five years ago, I, I really struggled because I felt like it was hard to keep my students engaged. There were only so many black and white printables that I could use. Um, You know, you dive into the world of YouTube. Some of that stuff is, you know, unvetted and you're a little bit worried about what you're going to show students. So I really then started to create materials. And so what I found tend to work best for my students were materials that were presented almost similar to like a slide. So things that were very colorful, things that had lots of detail, things that were presented more in like maybe a like a slide that you might use for this presentation, like a four by three or a sixteen by nine ratio. Um, I'm not saying that the black and white worksheets that are, you know, eight and a half by eleven don't work. They absolutely do, but they didn't fit quite nicely on my platform to demonstrate to students. The props weren't all on one page and that's just what I preferred. Um, so I try to look for things where pages can be easily viewed on like an iPad, a computer, um, perhaps even, uh, um, Lauren mentioned um, a larger cell phone as well um, for those traveling SLPs maybe, or when things are turned sideways, right? Everything kind of fits on one page, so you're not having to scroll. Um, and then, um, so I think that's those are some, some great resources. Um, you're also gonna kind of, some things actually have interactive features. They've got buttons and gizmos and all kinds of different things to make them interactive. While you do not have to have interactive materials, um, those are certainly things that I, that I tend to look for. So search terms, when I think about it, I'm thinking about um, search terms like teletherapy materials on Google. I'm thinking about um, no print speech, um, a lot of therapists that have began to create um, materials specifically for teletherapy, we tend to label our things as no print speech because we're not printing them out. They are too colorful and you'll probably get banned from school if you're printing them, <laughs> them out from the printer. So we basically have tried to label them as no print speech because you'll lose your printing privileges if you if you print them and try to laminate them. Nice. Um, we use things, uh, search terms like internet activity, digital speech, iPad speech, Google Drive activities for speech, digital task cards, any of, those, any of those search terms would work really, really well. Um, I know as a creator and, a, and an author on Teachers Pay Teachers, one of the things that they've asked us to do this week is sort of label our materials specifically as internet activities or distance learning activities so that people can find them easier um, in the sea of all the things that are speech related. Um, again, I'm not saying you can't use black and white worksheets, you certainly can. I just found for my students, i had to struggle to really keep them engaged when that's really all that was at my disposal so that's why i i chose a different format so
1: okay i had i honestly never heard of no print speech so that was
4: that's brilliant no but, print you're not printing it if you print it you're probably going to be going to be in trouble so <laughs> and i'll be able to demonstrate a little bit here in a bit um some just some small examples
1: awesome i i appreciate that we the been homeschool materials i'm like i need new cartridge already i know right Mm so what's the difference between static versus an interactive resource and then um
4: can you show us a couple please Yeah, sure. So, what we in the teletherapy world, what we tend to call or or label more of a static resource are definitely those resources that don't provide any feedback. So they'll probably come in like a PDF form or maybe even like a Google Drive format, but they're colorful. They may allow you to annotate, but they don't require you to click or give any feedback uh, of any kind. So um, let me show you an example here, if I can screen share and and sort of. Sort of take over. Um, This is just one example of what I like to call a static resource. And again, I'm like, you have got monitors and different things. If you see me looking here, that's why I've got another monitor here. Um, This is just a resource that does not really do anything. I don't click on it. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any buttons or clicks. So it's static. It doesn't provide any sort of interactive feedback when I click on it. It's more of a static resource. Um, Here is another one that's a really static resource. Um, Again, I can maybe annotate this, but I'm not not clicking and it's not doing anything, okay? It's just there and it's colorful and it's bright and it can keep my child's attention. It asks my students to do something, but they can't click it and have something happen, okay? Does that help?
1: Yes, and I was just reading it thinking, I
4: hope nobody gives Lucy the hamster, so yes.
5: (laughs) Exactly.
4: Yeah. So that's a static resource. Now, when we talk a little bit more about interactive resources, those interactive resources are really more um resources that require some sort of dragging, clicking, dropping, provide some sort of feedback when clicked or, or tapped on. Um, right now the big rage and in, in the teletherapy group that I that I moderate on Facebook called Teletherapy Materials for Speech Language Pathologists. Wait, um, say that again. Teletherapy materials for speech language pathologists. Um, we have grown um, I will say at the beginning of March, we were at about 3,000 members. Today I reached 10,000. So we have grown exponentially, and actually I'd love to give a shout out to Lauren Tandy if I can, because she has been a huge savior to me. She jumped right in with her telepractice um, for early intervention, and people were jumping on that because that I've done early intervention, but I haven't done it for telepractice. So she was Hi. a huge savior to me this week. So thank you, Lauren, uh, for that. I was really appreciative of that. <laughs> um, but I, I, um, these interactive things really, these boom cards are really kind of all the rage. Um, for those of you in the schools, if you know what test cards are, test cards are huge with teachers. Um, these are interactive digital test cards. And so what those basically are, um, they require dragging, dropping, other things like that. So um, I will just screen share really quick. This is a deck that I created. And so um, with this, um, what children will do is sort of move things and then it's self-checking.
1: Oh, that's delightful.
4: Um, If I put the wrong thing in, it'll tell me no can do. Um, So that's one example. Um, I have other examples that are actually a little bit, this is like my giant, my giant library of decks that I have at my, at my disposal. Um, but one of the things that I really, really like to do with all of these is, is some of them require more of like a blended approach. So um, I'm trying to think of one quick example that I could show you really quick that is more of like a blended approach. Um, like this one's more of a blended approach where my student and I have to really work on this together and they have to provide the right answer before they can click. Um, and we have a discussion about that answer. So there's no feedback that's given specifically but we can talk about their answer and then be like, yep, yeah, that was right. Or you know what, mm. nope. Let's give that another try. Students can also click these if, it, if they're interactive. So there's a big difference between active and, and static, interactive and static resources. And really, whichever one you choose is up to you. Um, I just know that there's a difference because I create both of them. And what I like to do during my teletherapy session is I actually mix them up. So I'll use a static resource for a while, and then I'll use an active, uh, uh, an interactive resource to just kind of keep kids engaged and keep things novel. Um, I find that doing teletherapy, um, sometimes I have to plan two or three things in a session if the session's a little bit longer for my school-age students. When I vary the media, it keeps them engaged and it keeps things novel and keeps them from sort of you know looking around and you know those students that struggle with attention sort of need things to be switched up quite often.
1: Um, okay. How long are your normal sessions? When you, when you said sometimes they're longer, sometimes they're shorter, would um
4: Well, some are maybe. 30, some are 45. Um, it really just depends on the student. Um, I know in the midst of this crisis, school districts are trying to figure out, You know, if you usually see a student for two times 20, we're talking about maybe lengthening that a little bit because scheduling for parents can be a little bit challenging. Um, so most of the time, they're 30 minutes. Um, sometimes you also have different kids in a group. So I might have two kids in a group and I like to be able, to, you know, two or three different kids and I have all their stuff up at once. So um, I might have an interactive resource for Joey, a static resource for Susie and another interactive for someone. And then they help each other. So just keeps things flowing. Again, if you are someone who's a little scared with the technology, I definitely would just say the boom cards are really, really easy um there it's you get a free subscription and then you you can buy decks and add them to a library um as you want um but the static resources are really nice too because if you're a little bit nervous with the technology you don't have to do very much
1: i like that i i just found brain pop junior because of my yeah. kid's homework and i'm like oh i love this right. hi fantastic love yeah you. I would be, that's, see, I'm taking something that I know and carrying it over. Yeah, sure, sure absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so what are annotation tools? And what is
4: that? What do I need to know that? This is, well, this is. Right. Annotation <laughs> tools. Annotation tools are tools that allow you to draw on things. Um, for me, they're, I like to have them. Um, they're tools that allow you to draw, mark up, highlight, circle, make shapes on the screen. Um, I like to make shapes for game pieces on like static game boards so that we can play games just like we would in normal, to- normal therapy or face-to-face therapy. Um, some platforms like Zoom have them built in um others do not so if your platform does not it's okay you actually can use adobe reader which most people have adobe readers on their laptops that they can use to be able to um Annotate when they want. So, I have just a small demonstration I can show you how to annotate really quickly. This is Adobe, and um, I love, love, love how Carrie showed those different tabs. I actually like to use um, Adobe because I can put all my static things up at once. I can have tabs all the way across here for things for all day long, and then I kind of stop midday, clear out what I don't need, and add more things. So, I always have them at my disposal. Um, but I really love to. Um, annotate and what you can do is if you click this comment button right here in Adobe you all of a sudden get all these annotation tools up here so I can take my pencil I can change the color and then I can begin to circle things like this of course that doesn't go with the cat I'm just drawing Okay, so you can use that, I'm messing up my own thing, but that is another way that you can annotate. Um, there's highlighters, there's erasers, you can erase all these things. Um, again, it's just a nice way to be able to indicate to your students that maybe they've had a good choice or not so much of a good choice. Um, again, you can just use this to make check marks, um, you know, anything you want um, to be able to annotate with your students. You don't have to annotate, but sometimes it's a nice, it's a nice tool to have. Perfect.
1: Okay. So um, see, I'm doing the one tiny bit of screen movement that I know how to do to get back over to.
3: <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. Um,
1: all right. So, um, I have a couple more questions for you and then I want to sure. make sure that we get a chance to get to our lightning round. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, what am I, and this, this is an important one. How do we reduce our technology
4: glitches? So um I think one of the other panelists mentioned it you know we always want to make sure that we try to be hardwired if possible um you want to make sure that you set the expectations that you know things like Right now, I told my, my own kids who are 15 and 12, while I'm doing this, there is no live streaming of movies upstairs. You know, when someone else in the house is live streaming movies, that reduces the bandwidth um, elsewhere in the house. Um, you want to make sure that you pause those during therapy sessions. Um, platforms actually use a lot of bandwidth, so you want to do anything you can to lighten the burden um, on the Internet Anything you can do that's helpful. Um, Students don't have to be hardwired, but even if they could move their their computer or their laptop closest to the modem, that is always helpful. Um, I also say really, before you even begin on camera, I'd really like to encourage people to learn the platform as much as possible. Play with it, have your neighbor log in as a pretend student, have your grandma log in, have your mom log in before I started, I had my children log in from another room with another device so I could play and pretend and make mistakes. Every platform has like a help center or like a, um, a frequently asked questions. I highly suggest going directly to that platform's help center and, and, And looking at those frequently asked questions for tech things, um, I think it's really important to be familiar with some basic troubleshooting guides before you get on camera, because your parents are expecting you to sort of be a little bit of an expert in the platform, which honestly, if you're using a basic platform, it's pretty easy to do. So I would try to be as familiar as you can with the basic troubleshooting
1: i'm just thinking of all the technical glitches we've had trying to record first bite and like the ones you can't prepare for like you're recording and then a tiny human in your own home vomits everywhere like then right. you're not recording <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, exactly yes. <laughs> yes Uh uh andy thank you so much um uh-huh. you <sighs> Your joy radiates, and it really does help with um, my anxiety putting some of those technical pieces aside. Also, I didn't know Adobe did all that, so I'm going to be checking that out later.
5: Mm
1: Okay, so folks, this comes the fun time, the lightning round. Uh, we had asked folks on um, some speech therapy, PD, and First bite Instagram accounts uh, to submit some questions in advance uh, that they had for specific speakers. And then we have some that are uh, coming in. Um, just wanted to make sure before we go into the lightning round that everybody knows if you scroll down, Uh, they're going to have all the resources um, that the individual speakers have provided on this main page. Well, not mine, but your page. So just scroll down and they're right there. Okay. So um, ladies, I think I'll get one question for each person and we'll go through that way. Sound like fun? All right. All right. Marisha, Miss Marisha Metz with SLP now. Lady, you're up first. Okay. So Uh, first one I have for you. Um, this one's a great one from at a E N A E N A E N on Instagram. What about working with kiddos that have a diagnosis of neurocognitive behavioral based neurocog based behavioral issues such as ADD, ADD, and ODD? What do we do? That is
2: a great question. And the first thing that I have to say is that we use the same strategies that we would use if we were seeing the students in our speech therapy room. So a lot of that stays the same. We're still those same problem solvers and um, some things that might be a little bit differently, given the new scenario and setup, is to enlist parents' help. So Um, And we might, and being strategic with how we set up the session. So use those same behavioral supports that you would use in the actual session. Maybe just find a digital version um, and do like that usual troubleshooting. Maybe we need to change the setting. Maybe they need to be in a different room. Um, Maybe we need to change the time of the session. Um, And then again, involve the parents in that support as
1: well. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, Jesse Andrix, you're up. Um, this one's come up a couple times. Um, what are your two top healthy coping strategies? Because yeah. we know you're a de-stressor 101 over here.
3: Yes, oh, and it is. it is so important right now. I mean, it's always important in our field, but like right now, it's just at another level so one thing and this goes for if you're in teletherapy like brand new right now if you are just at home and are you know not sure what to do you're kind of stuck at home but get up and move your body around when you're in teletherapy sometimes you end up sitting a lot more than you intend to or more than you would have if you were uh, on the ground with the kids or walking you know to different classrooms so get up and move. And especially right now when we feel like we are stuck and there are a lot of things we can't do, um, we can still get up. We can walk around our house. We could maybe go outside in your yard or your neighborhood, social distance as much as you can, of course, please. But um, still get up and take time to move. It gives your brain a moment to clear. It gives your body a chance to move tension out. And it's just so good for you and is such a great tool for relieving stress. So that is one. The other thing is to check in with yourself. A lot of times we check out and we kind of call it self-care. We like to binge. We like to, you know, kind of be like, I'm just going to watch Netflix for four hours today, or I'm going (laughs) to. know kind of those things and and tune out for a while but check in and see what you need it can be really hard if you um are extroverted to be at home and not be able to go out and do things right now it can be really hard if you're introverted because there's other people in your house that you can't get away from so check in and see take time to um you know do something for yourself or you know Facetime with some friends but do those things, and those will help you to not feel as drained and to be ready to go when you're ready to jump in and start this teletherapy process.
1: Perfect. Love it. Thank you. Okay. So, Miss Lauren Tandy, you're up, darling. Um, now, there's a lot of great minds thinking alike for this one um, Atlas Bliss, at Natasha Shaw Bliss at Bethany Jones 07. um, This one came in. Uh, How does this work with patients that have feeding and swallowing difficulties? And can you do evals um, in telehealth for feeding and swallowing for early intervention?
5: So this is an answer that I'm working on. Uh, I I started a dysphagia research list that I'm adding to, but it's on my Facebook group. And also um, I'm going to I think it's already up on my shop, but as a free resource. So I'm doing the research. Everything we do has, has to be research-based, right? Yes. But I have seen a great benefit in my past intervention. I do specialize in feeding with early intervention. And I see the benefit before, right now, and in the future. Um, I am able to pull back and not go to the homes when the child is ill. I'm able to not go to the homes when I am ill and expose them to that when I have Mm -hmm. fragile meters. um, And that reduces their illness rate. So that's important. I also think that it's important for us to follow up with some of our families who have recommendations that maybe they need reminders about, right?
1: Yes, like a slower flow nipple or sideline position for the three month old.
5: So my my stance is that sometimes we can do more harm by removing ourselves from the situation, even if it is via telepractice, than we would by providing that coaching model. Still,
1: mm-hmm. beautiful. Thank thank you for putting it up there. It is it's on your website because I was like oh, I love this resource and so thank you. Um, okay, so Miss Carey. Um, uh, all right. So this one has come up a couple of different times, um, but how do, and you, and you talked on it slightly, but uh, how do you co-treat with OTs, uh, especially for your children that have um, uh, low functioning autism spectrum disorders? Do you, can you co-treat, can you engage for um, those activities? Yeah, so I think the, uh, the underlying message here needs to be, you need to check
6: on all of these things first. You know, you need to check, can you do teletherapy? You need to check with the payer, what are they gonna pay for? You need to check with the school district, what's gonna count for services? Um, Everything needs to be checked first because we can give you these ideas but the specific situation that you and your client are in is gonna be different for all of you. So check that. But assuming that teletherapy is allowed and co-treating via teletherapy is allowed and it'll count for the minute, Then you can most definitely bring your OT in for a conference call like this, where you're both on there at the same time. Um, And then you can be talking to each other and in comparing notes, you can be talking to the parent. You can be both giving strategies or the OT can be giving ideas while you're working on a speech thing. So it can look exactly like your normal co-treating sessions if you're able to bring that, that occupational therapist in or physical therapist or behavior therapist or whoever else you might be able to co-treat with. Um, if you can't, for whatever reason, any of the above, uh, then you can always just collaborate with them. So call them up on the phone, you know, talk about a plan. How are we gonna treat this, this child? How are we gonna support this family? Because um, like I said earlier, these these families are dealing with the stuff that we're dealing with on our sessions they're dealing with it all day long with no support, no resources, and half of them are trying to work while they're doing it. So if you can come up with plans with your teammates where you can say, hey, I really know that they're struggling with this behavior piece. Like, can you give me some strategies or can you call her or, hey, I think maybe we need to connect this family with the social worker because they're actually having trouble with this other thing. So you can kind of coordinate the team in a way. Um, Because you might have more face-to-face interaction, well, face (laughs) screen-to-screen interaction with those clients than the social worker or the school principal or the behavior support person. Um, So you can kind of help those families and help those clients in that way as well.
1: Perfect. Okay, Miss Andy, this question is back to you with the whimsical word and you touched on it. We are all social distancing. But for the children that are used to group sessions, they built that bond with their peers. So how can, is it
4: allowed? Can you do a group session on teletherapy? Yeah, you can. Um, One of the things I'd be really um, cautious about is that you always wanna make sure that you have informed consent for parents. Um, You know, when we're being patched into people's homes, um, you really have to be careful um, if I have a if there are three kids and even though they work together in the same school, it looks a lot of li- little bit differently for school based or for home based services so um, we I know are instructing our districts to really make sure that we're getting parent consent to do that. Um, we want to make sure that um, also as a therapist. It's a little bit different when you're when you're patching into people's homes. You want to always remember also that you're a mandated reporter. So those are things to think about too. Um, Thank you
1: for saying that.
4: Yeah, we're a mandated reporter. So, um, you know, th- when we service virtual schools, it looks a lot different than brick and mortar type therapy as a teletherapist. So always, we just want to make sure that we're cognizant of that and, and we're mindful of that. Um, but definitely you can do it. It has to be informed consent. I don't know anyone's experience with different platforms, but I know the more kids I add, the more bandwidth it takes up. So then if I've got three or four students, um, you know, screen sharing things, I, it tends to become pretty laggy. So I really, you know, best practice is really no more than two. I think someone mentioned something about three. Um, You know, I really try to keep it two would be my max. But if you if it's if it's appropriate for you to do more than that for a social group, um, you could do that. Um, We've also you know, this is not how it will be for COVID-19 because of the social distancing. But You know, we've also provided teletherapy in like pre-K classrooms where we're presented up on a smart board and kiddos are in front of us and we're singing and doing different things and facilitators there to help. So you definitely can do groups. However, with COVID, we're not going to be seeing, hopefully we're not seeing children in large groups. Everyone's assembling in one place because
5: that's a no-no.
1: Okay, so I had I had two thoughts. I wanted to interject one um, at crescendo communication. She does virtual circle time and she's delightful and um, she's doing that for um, the the little ones in the early intervention settings that uh, are missing their services right now. But I just love because you feel like you're a part of the group when you're not there. And then um, Uh, Stephen East with speech and language songs, he has a lot of great uh, carryover strategies and activities, especially for speech generating devices. So if you're working with a kid with AAC with speech generating devices, his music has a slower um, cadence and rhythm for some of the songs so that that the children can interact with their core vocab, which I just love, Love because core vocab. Okay, so really quick. I love how I have the screen all the way around and I can see your beautiful faces. Uh, Can you please tell us which platforms you each go with? Marisha, let's start with you. What platforms do you use for teletherapy?
2: Um, So I have just used Zoom for a little bit, um, but I haven't done
1: as much teletherapy as all the other ones. (laughs) Hey, but I like Zoom. This is working fabulous,
3: don't jinx it. (laughs) Okay, Jesse, which platforms do you use? So I always used GoToMeeting, and I found it really easy, um, very simple to use. Um, that's what we use with eTherapy, but we also have a few, um, I think schools or students that had to use Zoom. So the HIPAA compliant version of Zoom works great, and GoToMeeting is also another great choice.
5: Perfect, Ms. Lauren? So I've used TheraPlatform for three years. I heard on the previous class, Bill said that it may have crashed today. So I know that it's being bogged down a little bit and they had a lot of new subscribers. Um, and then we are starting to use WebEx for my other early intervention team in Idaho.
1: Okay, all right. Carrie, what about you, darling? So I um, I have
6: worked for presence learning at one point. So I used their platform. Um, I'm most familiar now with, with Zoom and GoToMeeting. Uh, but one of the other moderators of our membership community, one of my paid monitor, moderators, she said that they're using G Suite right now. Um, what is business it? Business agreement. G, G Suite, so Google, the Google Suite. Okay. Um, they have like Google Meet, which used to be Google Hangouts. And as long as you have a business associates agreement, then it's HIPAA compliant. And, and um, they're having some really good success with that.
1: Beautiful. Andy, what about you, darling?
4: I like Carrie started with Presence Learning. So I trained on their proprietary platform. And then um, I used Adobe Connect at one point when I uh worked for Pearson. And then um, through dot com therapy, we do use Zoom.
1: Okay. Okay. So I've got um some questions that have come in live from the audience that are um are watching this. Okay, so I'll get read it and let y'all go for how about that? Um what about children who have apraxia who are typically receiving prompt therapy but now due to the recent circumstances may require teletherapy does anyone know of any resources available for that I do not. Ah, blank okay so then i'm gonna go out on a limb um prompt certification is something that's on my like professional to-do list um and uh I, one of the most amazing people that I know, Maria with SLPs Wine and Cheese is um, Prompt certified and, but I would honestly recommend going to Prompt directly and getting the recommendations from them because they, the body of evidence that is coming out behind Prompt, it's actually profound. It's quite phenomenal. So I would, I would reach out to them directly. Okay. So I think we've covered some of this, but we talked about how do we make this work with groups? Andy, you said you recommended keeping it to two or less, but if you have large caseloads in the schools, uh, there a lot of folks are stressing because if you've got 50 to 60 kids in a week and you're bound by IDEA, does anyone have any guidance on what their school districts are telling them based off of IEPs? I
6: think at at a certain point, your, our role needs to become advocating for these children, because the fact of the matter is there's no way to see, I I have people in my membership that have over a hundred on their caseload, a hundred kids.
2: There's no way
6: that one SLP can see a hundred kids via teletherapy, especially if they're also homeschooling their kids. So I think at a certain point, we need to be the ones going to our administrators and saying, Hey, look, This isn't feasible. It's not healthy. It's not appropriate for all of our students. And if you are going to, if the school district is going to offer online learning for the other children, for the typically developing children, then they are obligated to provide these services for the kids that have special needs. And if the teletherapy isn't going to get it met for whichever reason that we've talked about, then it's on the administrator to fix that. Not, it's not on us to be doing teletherapy night and day just to get all our minutes in. So. I think if you're in that kind of situation where you reasonably can't do it, then you, you become an advocate and you, you fight for those kids.
4: Yes, that's the- um... I agree with Carrie. I think, I think in general, um, you know, best practice is really, you know, two to three students at the most. Um, and I agreed, if you have a caseload of a hundred, there's no way you're going to see all those students at once. Um, but again, you have to be an advocate for the quality of the service. You want the service to be excellent. You want the service to be skilled. Um, and that's very challenging to do with six students in a, in a group type setting, so.
1: Yes. Okay, so what about AAC? Because I mean, I do a lot, especially Lauren. I mean, I, I do a lot in early intervention. I feel like I lay the groundwork for when the tiny human goes to the schools, right? so i mean right now i've got one sweet little boy who has just received his trial device last week and it's crickets right like there's nothing that i can do so do you have recommendations on that
5: but there is something you can do i
1: well technically in south not- carolina i cannot not just but yeah yet, you but... can't <laughs> fingers crossed like literally i cannot right now but
4: like oh, good lord willing. <laughs>
5: well, so i I'll address that scenario first, but with an AAC device that a child uh, first gets, it needs to be programmed. So what you could do is walk through with the parent and program it and teach her how to do that. Ideally, you might have the program on your iPad or access to a tutorial where you can walk them through the steps, give them interactive feedback to tell them, you know, Do you think he needs this for his poor vocabulary? Do you think we should do? And there's actually apps that you can use and screen share with the parent to see how many icons the kiddo needs on the page and what kind of pictures. I actually just had an early intervention uh, session last week where we it was actually an IFSP and it was via phone at the time, phone console for the IFSP, because we hadn't gotten all of the WebEx stuff set up yet. But uh, it came up that he was using pictures to communicate. And so I asked her what kind of pictures. She said they're real pictures in his book when he wants, say, grapes. He'll bring the book with the picture of the grapes to her. Um, If he knows daddy's coming home, he's excited or wants to call daddy, he'll bring a picture of his dad to his mom. So what we are doing is I'm going to be curating a set of pictures or we're going to be working together on how to create a set of pictures to start pecs with them or modified pecs in the home.
0: So, Yeah, because
1: my little tiny human got his uh, his Wego in the mail <laughs> and then it was like nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so
6: the other um, thing yeah, I was going to say. Creative, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was going to suggest with that, I'm going to pop up my screen share again. Most of the websites, if you're in a pinch, most of the websites for these companies will put up screenshots like this, where even if they have their device in front of them, you could be coaching the parent and saying, hey, see right here where it says time, that's where I need you to push, you know, and then there's different options on, you know, you can find different pictures and stuff. Um, But that will allow you to have a visual where you can help the parent see what you're and and figure out where things are. Um, And then if they don't have their device, like let's say it's a school device and that did not go home with the child, then you could print out pictures that look like the child's device and they can practice just on paper. So you've got those options as well.
5: I do have uh, my contractor who does telepractice with the schools. She just sent me something that they're doing. They're offering free um, communication boards that she's delivering to hospitals. Or medical communication but that's something that you could email something ahead of time that you've created for the parent to print out and have for your session.
1: Thank you okay because um, I know our local and folks if you're not aware of it most states have an assistive technology office for the entire state. Um, here in South Carolina Dr. Carol Page has done just an amazing um, Job of creating it and setting it up, and they will ship a communication device to you for free for a trial period. And that's replicated in different styles across the country. And this is the time when we need that. I mean, yes, you have to sign your life away. It's like buying a small car um, because you're getting a free communication device in the mail, but um, for a trial period. But some of the other um, Larger companies have that as well, so make sure that you're going through um, and and doing getting that information. Um, we only have fifteen minutes, but I want to make sure that I give everybody an opportunity to give their parting words of wisdom because y'all have all done this, I have not. <laughs> so, um, Marisha, what advice do you have for us? And can you tell us um, where you're from? And uh, one more time. So we know it's SLP now, Those kind of things, all that. Okay. Awesome.
2: Well, the, my parting words are that you've got this. You are a speech language pathologist. You've had all of this training. We're just implementing it in a slightly different context now, but you have all of the skills that you need to make this happen.
1: Um, and yeah, I am from SLP now and that's what I've got. Okay. So we can find SLP now. It's at is it at slp now on instagram
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay and then slp now on the what is the website SLPnow.com. perfect easy enough okay mm-hmm. and um are you on are you on the facebook or the twitter bird as my kid sister taught me to call it <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: yeah, so i am on facebook but not on twitter like i think i have an account but i don't do much
1: yeah that's one too many things for me i don't do the twitter bird <laughs> i'm gonna stick with instagram okay fantastic all right, Jesse, your are parting words of wisdom there, friend.
3: Yeah, so just with everything, you know, be very mindful of the stress that you're putting on yourself and know that it's okay to have glitches. It's okay for technology to to crash or fail or not feel like you know what you're doing. And know that, you know, when we're in a time like this, it's expected for those things to happen and it's okay if they do. Um, it's all a learning experience, and have a plan, but keep it simple. You you don't have to get complex where it's going to stress you out even more, and if your plan doesn't go the way that you want it to, no one else is going to know, because you're the only one that knows what your plan is. Your students are still going to love it. They're going to get so much out of it, and they're going to enjoy being on the computer and, you know, interacting in this new way, and parents are going to appreciate you showing up for them and being there, and that's all you have to remember.
1: I love it. Thank you. Okay. So where can we find you one more time? It's Jesse Andrix with,
3: yeah. So, um, I have my site for stress management is jessieandrix.com and I am on Facebook. Um, and there's a Facebook group, SLP stress management. I'm also on Instagram. And then I work with e-therapy, which is electronic dash therapy dot com, and we actually have a forum there that you can also go and ask questions and you know connect with other members of the teletherapy community, um, and they're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So yeah, come and find us.
1: Yes, because stress is a legit state of being right now. Yes. Okay, Miss Lauren Tandy.
5: Hi. So I wanted to add on to what she said. It is stressful right now. We have a lot to deal with, with our own families. And then God forbid someone gets sick in the middle of this um, and then figuring out telepractice. So I make a personal goal for myself to start simple. I had the luxury of starting telepractice years ago. And so I've developed on what I knew in the beginning. And a lot of people are just being thrown into this. So I would challenge people to start simple and then add just one thing per day learn one thing per day, and then you feel successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then since my first session in telepractice, I've learned things like um, increasing access and availability for rural families in order to provide more consistent uh, services, which I think is going to translate to future use for telepractice. I think this is going to open doors for a lot of people um, professionally and for learning. Increased understanding of using the coaching model for early intervention. Yes, can I get an omelet on that again? <laughs> Bagless intervention, right? Yeah, um, and then the biggest thing that I promote is be creative. Like, I get so many questions of how do you do this in steps, and I can give steps, I can give an outline. But when it comes down to it, you're your own clinician. And just like we do our own uh, clinical intervention, you have to be creative and you have to come up with things that are re- relevant to your clients and also fit your own style.
1: Okay, so I had two questions for your final statement. Huh. Um, okay, so one is when you said you started small, How realistically, we're not like Carrie said, we're not gonna get hundred kids a day I mean, and for those, I'm used to doing one hour sessions with my patients and when they were medically complex, maybe 30 minute sessions, but I'm traveling all day long. So my max day is four to five patients and I am wore out. So when you're doing this in early intervention, how many patients would be reasonable to start out with, to set, to piggyback on what Jesse said, to to set reasonable expectations and not add more to my plate. What's reasonable there?
5: I would start with your current schedule and it gives you more opportunity. I mean, I'm right where you are. I travel (laughs) three days out of my week and I- But you have snow. I have a lot of snow. (laughs) That's part of the reason I started doing telepractice because sometimes you can't reach the house. You know, and I have a Subaru, but- (laughs) Uh, In Washington, I do 45 minute sessions. In Idaho, I do hour long sessions. It might look a little bit different depending on, you know, when you meet the need of that session, It might be shortened to 45 minutes. I would recommend starting with your current schedule and then finding out who is interested in doing telepractice. Then you have that extra time in between for us that drive to do your planning, your troubleshooting and um, well, information collection and training for yourself.
1: Beautiful. Okay, so um, please tell us again, all the places that folks can reach you.
5: So I started the early intervention telepractice group on Facebook. You can find me at my website, which is Tandy, T as in Thomas, A-N-D-Y therapy.com. And then my shop is Tandy Therapy Box. That's on my website and I have a blog there. I am on Instagram, but I haven't posted much, so. Okay. Mostly Facebook. (laughs)
1: Mostly Facebook. Hey, everybody's got their social media outlet. It's just, which way do we find you? (laughs) Beautiful. And and Miss Carrie, words of wisdom, darling. Um, my words of wisdom are we're all being
6: socially isolated right now. So try to continue to be social in whatever way that looks for you. So find, find your people. These ladies have suggested some awesome Facebook groups, grab those, um, you know, talk to your peers from your workplace that you're no longer seeing every day, connect with them, reach out to them. And um, we have a, an amazing community of SLPs over at the SLP solution and it's been really great to see everybody connecting with each other and supporting each other and giving each other ideas because we're all in this together, you know? And I think that that's exactly what this day today with all of these great presentations and this huge community of, of people getting together to do this is we're all figuring this out together. So find your tribe, find your people, reach out, ask for help when you need it. Um, yeah, and stay sane. <laughs> we can.
1: <laughs> That's white hibiscus pomegranate tea, and probably the most perfect cup ever created. Yoda Best Speech Language Pathology. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> okay. So, Carrie, how um, how do we reach you again? Give yeah. us all so, the. Different- um,
6: we actually, so, we actually have two websites speechandlanguagekids.com is a lot of free resources for parents. So, if you're needing stuff for parents, send them to over there. SLPSolution.com is our website for all of you fine folks we would love for you to join our community we have um you can get access to the digital curriculum which is all of those worksheets and resources i was showing you our full no prep curriculum is in there you also get access to our community so you can come in and ask questions and we can support each other um and we have you know training videos and webinars and stuff on there too so we'd love to have you over there at slpsolution.com or we've got tons, like hundreds of free resources on both of the websites. So feel free to to grab some freebies if you need those because we're all going crazy right now.
1: <laughs> and, and if memory serves correct, do you have a podcast called um, Speech and Language? This Speech and Language Kids podcast. Yeah, I've done like five because I'm a serial podcaster, I think.
6: So. I have quite a few out there special language kids is the
1: biggest one though <laughs> like 320 some and then Marisha has SLP Now podcast which is amazing yes also I really want to know what hair product you use it's just glistening and gorgeous um <laughs> and I like what y'all can't tell is I'm definitely in yoga pants and you should have seen me trying to tie this up before we started um, and then Jesse okay. what is yes Carrie got it um, <laughs> Jesse what is your podcast now don't it's SLP you... Stress Management perfect okay now Miss Andy words yeah. of wisdom <sighs> and have... we didn't even get to the musical part don't you do music there like music songs in your sessions I thought you did no, no. I
4: don't no I don't oh, Um, I, I would just say, have fun. I think it's important that you make it fun. Your first day on camera should be fun. Your kids have been waiting to see you. They miss you have fun, Do show and tell teach them the platform tools, explain that you are working. You're learning this together. I, when I, my very first day on camera, I told my students, I make a lot of mistakes and you can call me out on them. It's okay. Um, (laughs) I think it's just time to have a lot of fun. This is a time to ease their stress. Um, If you're stressed, they're going to see that on your face. Um, I think even if you're just like this and you don't screen share for the first day and you just do show and tell, let me show you what's in my house. You show me what's in your house. You can make that skill therapy. Um, I would just say, have fun. Okay, so I have one
1: question. Is there specific apps for screen sharing, or is that just embedded in the Zoom webinars or the? It's platform? embedded in the Zoom webinar. If you hover over the bottom, it says
4: screen share, and you oh, can- I'm not touching anything. <laughs> I will. Do- yes, you can do screen share. Google Google Meet has screen share too. Uh, most platforms have screen share. I mean, to my knowledge, most of them do. I would say that's kind of. I think. Um, I think it was um Marisha that said screen share. Like you should be able to screen share. I mean, that's kind of a necessity.
5: And then there's also, for the people using like the Google platform, there's also, I'm not sure if they have screen share, but there are apps like uh, Reflector, Teacher, um, on your iPad, it gives you a tutorial and you can connect it to the, you can cast it onto your computer.
1: Okay. All right. Well, um, for everybody that's here, my name's Michelle Dawson and I host the weekly podcast pod course, First Bite. Uh, fed, fun, and functional by, it's hosted by speechtherapypd.com. We have 92 episodes out. One goes live every Wednesday night and then hits all the major platforms um, on, uh, no, it goes live every Tuesday night. Good Lord. Carrie, see what happens when we do too many things? Yeah, there. Yes. Um, And uh, you can find me on uh, the First Bite Instagram page or my own private practice of at Heartwood Speech Therapy. And we have a First Bite Facebook page and a Heartwood Speech Therapy um Facebook page as well. So uh now I just have my parting words of wisdom uh to go through. Hang on. Oops. Can we get Andy's website? I don't
4: think I got Andy's website. Oh Andy, oh. yes, no, so sorry, friend. That's okay. Um you can find me at the whimsicalword.com. Um I have a podcast, I have blogs, I have um I interviewed Jesse for one of my first podcasts, so I know Jesse very well. Um, and, um, you can find me the same name on teachers, pay teachers on um, the whimsical word. Um, and then where are can you find me. Oh, dot com therapy, dot com, therapy dot com. Very easy. D O T C O M dot C O M. Um, I also have two, um, Facebook groups that I actually moderate. So the first was teletherapy materials for speech language pathologists. And the second one is SLPs go digital. So if you're looking for digital resources and you're looking for ways to incorporate some interactive or static, colorful things into your world, um, we do a nice sale every month and we're always sharing digital resources. So, Perfect. Thank you,
1: Carrie. Good catch. Thank you, friend. Thank you,
4: Carrie.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Look, I messed up. Yay. (laughs) Thank you for your resources.
4: Oh, thank you.
1: Okay. So before we go, I want to share a few resources that are going to be vital to all of us over the next few weeks and month, but I need to put this in the right frame of reference. Every December, I was the gal in the back of the room who would complain to my hubby that I had to pay another couple hundred of bucks for my ASHA dues. I was the one that said, what did they do for me? All they do is take my money. Good Lord, I would love to go back and have that crucial conversation with my old self and tell myself to quit complaining. And one day with the help of the amazing Mr. Dawson, I overcame my fear of failure and my feelings of inadequacy that was literally beaten into me by my ex-husband. And I always share that, yes, I am a survivor of domestic abuse from a lifetime ago. So if you are in it, even in the middle of all this, get out because there's grace and glory on the other side. And with my family and my amazing husband by my side, I started advocating at a state level through the South Carolina Speech and Language Hearing Association. And by some sheer dumb luck, my application was accepted into the ASHA Leadership Development Program. And I was inspired by my breakout cohort, The Source. I know y'all are there. (laughs) Um, And I had my eyes opened to just what all our hard-earned dollars go to. Your dues go into things like virtual advocacy day today that ASHA held today. Yeah, and you heard it it was today. ASHA has educated our nation's leaders as to what it is that we do as SLP and audiologists and why our skills are invaluable and why they're needed even in the middle of this pandemic. Why our patients of all ages deserve teletherapy, especially in a time when most of us can't provide face-to-face especially if you're in a shelter-in situation. Did you know that the first two action items that ASHA proposed for members and students to take action on today were one, small business relief for private practices impacted by the pandemic, and two, telehealth expansion with an improved rate for Medicare. You can still participate tonight by going to at ASHA web on Instagram or at um, ASHA Facebook page and simply clicking a few links and it will autopilot your contact information and directly to your senators and your congressmen. And check your inbox, right? Well, I mean, as soon as we get done, check your inbox because the ASHA CEO Arlene, and Arlene, I can never say your last name right, so forgive me. They sent out an ASHA survey regarding our COVID-19 needs as a profession. Please open that, check your um, spam box, but please open that and check that out. Fill it out, tell them what we need. Further, our dues go towards the position statements and research offered for free via the practice portal that guides the early intervention, pediatric, home health and school-based clinicians with evidence-based facts regarding evals and treatments our dues at a national level creates change nationally, but I like my books. Um, If your membership, if it's your membership at a state level, your advocacy at a state level that changes laws, legislation, and it opens the doors to the new adventures like teletherapy, just like what we're going through right now. ASHA can't, lobby at a state level because they have national level certified lobbyists. It's your state association that has state certified registered lobbyists, okay? ASHA can guide and educate but it's your state association and your financial contributions to your state association that allows them to pay that lobbyist to do their job to create change. So for the girl in the back of the room, that was me. I did the bag therapy. I complained about my dues. And then I basically found the light. Listen to me, put your big girl britches on. I did it. You can do it. And let's be the source of change together. So for those resources, first, log on to ASHA. The opening page will give you the COVID-19 updates too. On the right, there's a little telepractice box. It's in red um, on the ASHA homepage. They give state-by-state guidelines, it's a PDF document. It's a working document, it changes every single day. Um, Three, check with your own state associations, your state licensing board, because that changes. So reach out to one, your state association, and two, vet it with your state licensing board because it's ever changing. It's like a moving target. The bottom line, we are all in this together, but your profession needs you. So join your state association, make a donation to ASHA Pack. get on the ASHA Facebook page or the ASHA web Instagram account, and please take part in the virtual advocacy day, all from the guidelines of social distancing. And also in that limelight, please check on your next door neighbor, check on your mom friend who's now homeschooling tiny humans in her house, send a text, leave, leave coffee or chocolate at the front gate, but th- those little actions will put a smile in your soul and benefit them. A very special thank you to the California Speech Language and Hearing Association, their executive board and CEO, Brian Lewis, who sponsored this event. A incredible heartfelt special thank you to the Speech Therapy PD.com team, especially Darla, our CEO and founder, who is an amazing SLP and a light in the middle of this chaos. And y'all just remember, we may cry at night, but there is always joy to be found in the morning. So from all of us here on the screen, all of us in the First Bite family and the Speech Therapy PD family, be safe.
0: Thank you. And God bless. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charboshart.com and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well and God bless.